What's up, everybody? Welcome back to High on Infinity, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. I am your host, Jake, and I, we got an action-packed episode for you today, folks. Today, we're talking about DC possibly introducing a black Batman, NFL talk, college football pick in week three, and an IT Chapter 2 review. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Like always, this is your first time listening to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. And if you're a returning listener, we're glad to have you back. We got a good episode lined up for you today. Quick announcement before we jump into to the start of things. Next week, there will be no episode of the podcast. Next week is my birthday, so I'm going to take the week off, rest, relax, you know, get my mind in order, and just come back the next week with great content. But before, but now, sorry, let's get into the topics. Okay, so over the course of the past week, inside information from, quote, a number of high prominent sources is that DC Comics is set to introduce a black Batman in the summer of 2020. An article from BleedingCool.com, the first to report this states, DC Comics is planning to bring, a, bring us a black Batman, not Bruce Wayne, but someone else donating to Kyle and the Cape. Who is this new Batman will be? I don't know. All I have been told is that it won't be Duke Thomas, the young man previously teased as taking the role of Robin and Batman to come. And Duke Thomas, from what I researched, he's known as The Signal. Uh, he was introduced, I think, in a New 52 edition comics of Batman. And he's, and he's described as a Gotham City teenager. And the newest ally to Batman, rather than training him to be another sidekick, Batman looks at him as something new, Gotham City's day pro- daytime protector. And over the past couple years, we've seen... The mantle of few superheroes taken up by a person of color. We had Miles Morales and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse movie, a movie which I highly recommend. A very underrated movie and arguably probably to me the bet the second best Spider-Man movie after Spider-Man 2, the one with Doc with Doc Ock in the movie. And he also has Sam, Sam Wilson taking up the mantle of Captain America in the Disney Plus show uh later on in, next year. You now both previously both of these events happened in the comics, and these are just rumors and speculations at the moment, but nothing has officially been announced. But how I feel about there possibly being a black Batman, you know, as expected, uh, this change will spark debate about whether or not changing the race of an established character is the way to go. But to me, it worked for Nick Fury. Like, people forget Nick Fury was white in the comics until Samuel Jackson took over, and then they made him black. Because I remember I was reading an old infinity got on comic in the 80s and i was looking at him like nick fury was white was like, oh i forgot uh they made him black since samuel jackson is now playing as him but it worked for that role and i, and I don't see it you know finding the problem uh working for this role to me i'm all for black batman i'll definitely read it if it's true and i love having different iterations on superheroes but batman will be interesting because first off is batman like, his name carries so much weight in a comic book world, but how would they introduce him? A bleeding cool also they came with a few scenarios and how would they introduce this new Batman and people who already exist in the Batman universe may play this new Batman. You have someone called Batwing, his name is David. Well there's two iterations of Batwing. One is David I'm gonna probably is it Z Zvimbi? Uh, he's known as like the Batman of Congo. And you also have Luke Fox, who is Lucius Fox's son, and the other person to talked about maybe playing them is Black Lightning. And Black Lightning and Batman have teamed up in comics in the past, 
And is there a need for someone to simply fill the Batman mantle? Black Lightning has the experience and the connections to do it. But or they may introduce a new character. And DC is known for its multiverse. And there's a version of Batman in a multiverse where he's one part Batman and one part Joker in a comic called The Batman Who Laughs. It was a comic I have on my Amazon card, which I might get for myself pretty soon. And so I assume this Batman may take place on another Earth. And if it does take place on another Earth, uh, where it'll be where Bruce Wayne isn't the Bruce Wayne as we know is the you know is the billionaire. And they may explore, well, they have explored in the past where someone took up the Batman mantle in the same world as Bruce Wayne, such as Dick Grayson, Damian Wayne, and Terry McGinnis. So if this Batman is on another Earth, I wonder how would this character differ from Bruce Wayne? I personally had a cool idea that made this Batman completely different from Bruce Wayne. You know, Bruce Wayne, you know, for better or for worse, was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was born to eventually take over a Fortune 500 company, I assume, in Wayne Enterprises. And to me, you should have this Batman come from the opposite. Have him come from, like, the Gotham City projects where he witnessed, like, murder, like, murder, drugs being sold, people getting beat up, cars getting, you know, robbed. Have him, like, you know, a good kid escaping the bad city or mad city in this situation. And he escapes for a better life. Like he goes to college, gets a degree in engineering that helps him manufacture his equipment. Like a rags, the riches story will be pretty cool. Cause I don't to my, off the top of my head, I really don't see too many like rags, the riches superhero stories. And, but, 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 but for better, or for worse, Bruce Wayne has had a privileged life to say the least. Yeah. His parents got killed, but you know, he still went back to a six story mansion at the end of the day. And he was one of Gotham. He was born into Gotham City's elite, and have someone you know that was born, you know that came from Gotham's you know the bottom of Gotham's totem pole, someone who didn't have all the essentials in life to succeed. But once again, nothing has been officially announced yet, and I will keep you keep you guys updated on the situation whenever something is announced. But if it is, but if it is true, we will be seeing we will be seeing a black Batman. In the summer of 2020. Now moving on to sports. We're going to talk some NFL when we come back. The NFL made its return this past weekend. And it's the best time of the sports year. We got football on Thursday. And then Saturday with college football. Then Sunday and Monday with the NFL again. And there was a lot of good games this past weekend. A lot of good, a lot of bad, and a lot of ugly. So we're going to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of this first week of the NFL season. The good. A lot of good things, like I said. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, he picked back up where he left off last year. He had over 370 yards passing and three touchdowns. And he's ready to be the first back-to-back MVP since Peyton Manning in the 2008-2009 season. And next, we had Todd Gurley from my LA Rams. The biggest concern in the offseason was his health and how would the Rams utilize his touches. And to me, he looked good. He had 14 carries for 97 yards, and that equals a 6.9 yards a carry, and that's a very good average. And hopefully, we can keep up the momentum when the Saints come into town this past Sunday. And then we have Dak Prescott, who had a career day versus the Giants with over 400-plus yards passing and four touchdowns. And probably the biggest surprise of the day was Lamar Jackson. He had a career day. He went 17-20 with five touchdowns, and he looked good in the pocket uh, throwing the ball. And it's good to see because uh, this this has been thrown around as a question. Well, his throwing has been 
the biggest question since leading up to the, his draft during last season and all this past offseason. And honestly, I'm rooting uh, for Lamar Jackson to be consistent throwing the ball because I am the president of the black quarterback support system. We support all NFL quarterbacks of color. That goes from Pat, Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Jacoby Bursett. Any quarterback of color will support, except Jameis Winston. And now moving into the bad, the bad, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're coming off a quiet offseason after the loss of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and all that drama that was going on last year. And they lost to the Patriots 33-3 Sunday night in primetime. But it just honest, man, sometimes someone just has your number. When they got it, they got it. And Brady is 12-3 and against the Steelers in his career with 34 touchdown passes, five interceptions, and a 70% completion percentage. And to be honest, the Steelers did struggle. I did watch the game. They didn't get the run game going. They doubled Juju Smith-Schuster a lot. Now he's knowing how it feels to be the number one receiver without Antonio Brown there. But I feel like the Steelers could bounce back in this loss. It's only the first game of the season. You know, you can't define your season on one loss. And I had the Steelers winning this division, and I was get to the ugly in the exact same division, the Cleveland Browns. They almost, I was about to give them L of the week for this loss. They lost to the Tennessee Titans, 43-13. to Baker Mayfield, I got beef with Baker Mayfield. I started him in my fantasy league on one of my teams, and he threw three interceptions. And I always have beef with players that don't perform when I drafted him in fantasy. I had beef with Marshawn Lynch when I drafted him. When he came back, he underperformed. I had beef with Odell Beckham when I drafted him a couple weeks ago. When my first, not a couple weeks ago, a couple years ago, when my first pick, he got hurt like a week five and he was out for the season. And back to the Browns, they had a the team had a total of eighteen penalties. And to be honest, the Browns needed this butt kicking. It, it humbled them in a way because they were feeling themselves a lot this past offseason. You know, they were talked about in a high regard. Uh, they were talking about a possible Super Bowl pick. Is Baker Mayfield a dark horse MVP? They ended last year on a good on a good run, so people thought that was going to lead into this year. They acquired great free agents like Odell Beckham Jr. You got Kareem Hunt coming back off suspension later in the season. And it's the first time in years the Browns have expectations to win the division. Like I said, to possibly make a Super Bowl run. And they were walking around with this swagger that may be some borderline arrogance in a way. I could tell, but I don't have a problem with a swagger. But there's a lot of egos on the team like Baker Mayfield. He likes to talk trash. You like Odell Beckham. He likes no, he likes attention. Like he wore a two thousand dollar thing was called a Richard Millie watch. I heard I heard the, the name Richard Millie mentioned in rap songs, so I assume it's a high-priced watch. It was priced at around $200,000. And, you know, to me, I like Baker and Odell. They're, to me, they're good players, and I hope they have a, a good year. But the team, I think they can learn from this loss. Like, just because you look good on paper doesn't mean that's going to translate to the field. And the rest of the league, they've been hearing all, 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 all of offseason, like, Watch out for the Browns. They're coming this year. They may be a dark horse and win the Super Bowl. Baker Mayfield may be one of maybe a top five quarterback at the end of the season. And they had to probably to me the biggest target on their back, other than the Patriots. And every team on their schedule wants to put them in their place. They want to remind the Browns like, hey, until y'all win something, y'all still the bottom feeders in the NFL. But hopefully the Browns can bounce back. I have them as a wild card team in this year's playoffs. And hopefully they can, you know, get back on the right track against the Jets on Monday Night Football. Now going into one of the 
well, by far the craziest sports story of the year, the Antonio Brown saga. And, uh, you know, before this happened, the part of the crazy sports story of the year was the Lakers debacle in the front office. But I'm glad this overshadowed it as the craziest sports story sports story of the year and Antonio Brown been all over the news for the past nine months yet in December 2018 he reports he had a verbal altercation with the quarterback Ben Roethlisberger he said out week 17 of the football season uh, due to injury related issues and over the course of the next few months he voiced his his frustrations with the Steelers then in March he got traded to the Oakland Raiders, then in August, he in the training camp with the Raiders, he missed practice with frostbitten feet. He threatened to retire if the NFL didn't let him use his old helmet. He filed two grievances against the NFL for his old helmet, and both appeals were denied. And in September, two thousand, and in September, uh, he was fined for missing practice and team walkthroughs. And he posted the fine on social media. They got into a verbal altercation with uh, that almost turned physical with the general manager of the team and called him a cracker. And then Saturday came around and around noon, he was released by the Raiders. And then, and then uh, later on that evening, he was signed by the Patriots. Yes, that's a mouthful. Oh, and I also forget that he also secretly recorded a conversation between him and his head coach, which in California is illegal because you have to have both parties give consent to this before you can do it. But to me, all all of this stuff, all of this stuff with him signed to the Patriots, we all thought it was a joke. I remember when you get on Twitter and Facebook, they're like, "Okay, the Raiders releasing Bell says gonna pick him up for like a ham sandwich and a handshake." But the Patriots are known for taking troubled players in the past, like Randy Moss, Chad Johnson, Corey Dillon, even you know now Josh with Josh Gordon. And I'm just gonna break down this signing. We'll break it down first on the field, and then break it down off the field. On the field, this is definitely a great addition. Uh, Antonio Brown has been st- st- statistically the best receiver uh, since he's been since he's entered the league, and, and he's entering an offense. We have Brady still playing high level quarterback at age of forty two. You have Josh Gordon on one side. He'll have Edelman in the slot. You have James White receiving out the backfield. You got Sony Michelle uh, running with the ball, and you know all, all, on the field is good. But most people worry what's going to happen off the field because. Uh, this could be very combustible because he's not going to get top wide receiver numbers in the Patriots offense. The Patriots offense is the most unpredictable offense in NFLs. Like next, you know, one week is like, okay, y'all ain't stopping uh, the run. So we're going to run it down your throat this past week. Then the next week, oh, y'all can't stop the pass. We'll throw the ball over you this week. So you never know what you're going to get with a Patriots offense. That's why it's kind of hard to draft them, draft players on the Patriots and fantasy because they may be used a lot one week, then the next week sit, then one week they're back at it again. And also the Patriots are known for the Patriot way. You know, the team always comes first. There are a bunch of we guys and Antonio Brown is known as a me guy. And in new England, you have to, you just, you don't leave your ego at the door. You leave your ego wherever you came from. And the Patriots are a no nonsense team. So Bill Pike is going to sit down with Antonio Brown and be like, Hey, you know, it's a one strike rule. You miss the one time, you're out of here. And this is definitely going to be one of the more interesting stories to follow this season. But all this may not happen because breaking news yesterday was Antonio Brown is being accused for sexually assaulting his former trainer on three separate occasions in 2017 and 2018. So as of now, he's still 
on the team. Nothing has been done yet. And he said he may be possibly put on the commissioner's exempt list. And the commissioner commissioner's exempt list, from what I read, was if, he, if, if you get put on there, you're technically not on the team, but you can still get paid as you're on the team. I, I really, that's, that's what I got out of it. And this is a sticky situation, to be honest, because if he suspends him, then he turns out being, you know, this was he was innocent. And then, you know, he's spending him for nothing, missing, you know, missing games and all that stuff. But if he don't suspend him, you know, people are saying on the other side, hey, he's, you know, he's accused of rape. Why? He's still playing for the Patriots. Now, why he's still playing in the NFL and all that stuff? Like, oh, you can you can rape someone. You can still have a job in the NFL. But like I said, this is probably going to be one of the more interesting stories to follow during the season and sticking with football, but going to the college level, we have college football pick them up next. College football pick them week three. Last week I did pretty good. I went eight and two. Only two games I lost was the Cal Washington game. Cal won on a last second field goal. And I lost my upset pick of the week. With Texas who's against LSU, which was a very, very entertaining game. ABC is two for two so far on these primetime games with Auburn, Oregon, and LSU, Texas. And that brings my overall record so far to 17 and 3 in college football pick'em. And now let's look into these games. First, we're looking at two teams starting SEC play. We have Alabama versus South Carolina. South Carolina is a good it's a good story so far. They're a backup quarterback. I think Ryan Helsinki is his name. Uh, he's the younger brother of former Washington State quarterback Tyler Helsinki, who uh, committed suicide last year. But it's, it's a good story. Uh, his little brother playing in the, in the honor of his big brother. Every time he throw a touchdown pass, he points to the sky to his older brother watching down on him. But when it comes to college football pick him, all these picks are just strictly business. Alabama, uh, they got a harder game this week. They're only favored by 25 points. This week, rather than 52 points last, last week against New Mexico State, by Alabama winning in convincing fashion as usual. I say 21 points probably. And the next game is probably one of the more interesting games of the week. We have Stanford traveling to Orlando to play University of Central Florida. And this game was a hard game to pick, to be honest. Uh, Stanford, I think their quarterback is coming back after after missing last week's game to concussion. And they did lose last week's game to USC by, like, I think it was 45 to 20. And you have uh, UCF. Um, you know, people say, hey, UCF don't play nobody. Now they're having one of the top Pac-12 teams come to their house. And in this game, I think I'm going to pick UCF, which which is Stanford is a very good team. And David Shaw is going to have them boys ready to travel across the country. I think UCF is going to is going to is going to win this game because it's the, I think it's the first big opponent coming to their place. So the crowd's going to be rocking. So I'll have UCF winning that game. And the next game is a rivalry game with Iowa and Iowa State. One of the rare rivalry games where the two teams are in different conferences because I think other rivalry games where the two teams are in different conferences is Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Clemson, and South Carolina, just to name a few. And this one's pretty hard to pick because both are really good teams with high expectations in their conferences. You have Iowa State, who's a dark horse in the Big 12, and you have Iowa State, who's, who's starting to become a dark horse in the Big 10. And this one's kind of hard to pick, but I'm going to roll with Iowa 
to win this game because this is the big game. College game is going to be here. And Iowa, and thinking the coach's name is Kirk Ferentz, has been in big games, so he knows how to handle those situations. So I have Iowa pulling out a close one against Iowa State. And the next game is the primetime game on ABC with Clemson versus Syracuse. You have Clemson coming off a pretty good win against Texas A&M. You have Syracuse coming out a blowout loss against Maryland. They lost 63-20. to I was watching that game. I was like, man, Clemson, what's going on with Syracuse? And the last two years, they had very competitive games. Two years ago, Clemson did beat like, – uh, Syracuse did beat Clemson in Syracuse. And then uh, last year, uh, Clemson barely beat Syracuse after Trevor Lawrence got hurt and the backup quarterback came in and won the game for him. But in this one, I have Clemson – uh, winning big, uh, they're favored by 27. They're probably not going to win by 27. They're probably going to win by, say, 21 uh, points. We'll have Clemson pulling off the win at Syracuse. And the next one, we have Friday night, which is Washington State versus Houston. And this one, I'm probably going to pick a I, – I really don't know too much about Houston. I've only seen them play against Oklahoma. But Washington, Washington State is one of the, the more prolific offenses in the country. So I have Washington State winning that Friday night against Houston. And the next game was another interesting matchup. We have Arizona State versus Michigan State. And Arizona State upset upset in Michigan State last year uh, when Michigan State was ranked. And I think this one's going to be a hard a hard fought game. Michigan State is going to be out for revenge, and I think they're going to get their revenge and win against Arizona State. And then what? And then next game we're having the debut. To college football pick them, my alma mater, the Troy University Trojans, as they take on Southern Miss. And this is going to be a special game for uh, for Troy because they're bringing out the throwbacks. They're bringing out the 1984 National Championship uniforms. And I've been telling my friends, like, when is Troy going to rock some throwbacks? They ain't do it when I was there, but finally they're, they're wearing throwbacks to this game. With this game... Troy's a pretty, you know, good team. Uh, they're probably one of the dark horses to win the Sun Belt. They got a good quarterback in Caleb Barker, a good running back in B.J. Smith. They got weapons at receivers, and Troy plays a lot better at home. Oh, you know what? With me following them, and I do have Troy winning against Southern Miss. And the next game was probably the game I had the most trouble picking, which is TCU against Purdue. Uh, with this one. Uh, TCU, they still bring a good defense. One of the better defenses in the Big 12 under Gary Patterson. And Purdue has one of the more prolific offenses in the country. Uh, as of now, they're ranked third in the country offensively with um, with uh, Rondell Moore, a wide receiver. But uh, Purdue's quarterback is uh, questionable for this game. He suffered a, con- a concussion last week against Vanderbilt. And I had trouble because... Uh, I wanted to pick Purdue until they said that the quarterback may be out and there's no word it will he play or will he won't play. So I could take a shot at the dark at this one. So I have TCU winning against Purdue. Next next on the list is USC versus BYU. Both coming off big wins last week. USC being a ranked Stanford team, blowing them out, like I said earlier. And he have BYU who won at Tennessee in Knoxville last week in overtime. And this one... I had to pick USC. I thought, okay, they beat they beat running their um, rivals in Stanford. They're walking with that swagger. They're gonna come into uh, Utah and BYU and win the game. So I got USC uh, doing that. And my upset pick of the week, like last week, I am not confident in this pick as well. Because I was looking at these games, and then I when I picked this game, I had a pretty good feeling. Tal, 
I got some news, and then I was like, oh, but I'm already stuck with my picks. So I might as well do it. My upset pick of the week, I have Kentucky beating number nine ranked Florida. Why? Because Kentucky, they're, you know, they're playing that Kentucky. They beat Florida last year. I think that was the first time to beat Florida, I want to say, 30 years, I want to. I want to say, and Florida is going to be is going to be looking for revenge in this game. And the reason I picked Kentucky because their quarterback was really good, but he's out with a torn, I think a torn ACL. And now we have uh, they're starting Sawyer Smith, former Troy University quarterback, in the game. And with this one is going to be a night primetime SEC game, so I assume uh, Kentucky's home crowd is going to be rocking. And to me, the key to this game is the key to this game is the force Felipe Franks. Into a turnover because Felipe Franks is playing with some kind of, I would say like some kind of arrogance. Like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, uh, but you know he he did almost lose the game against Miami. He threw an ill-advised pick, and he was basically what think ninety percent completion percentage last week. But that, but that's going against a smaller school, so I feel like if the defense can somehow force a few Felipe Franks interceptions, they have a chance to win the game. But as my upset pick of the week, I have. Kentucky over Florida. Book it. Okay, for this week's movie review, we're reviewing It Chapter 2. It Chapter 2 is the second part of the Stephen King book adaptation. Chapter 1 came out in 2017. And it said... Records for horror movies, the highest grossing horror movie in history. And with the book being over 1,100 pages long, the movie was split into two parts. So was the 1990 miniseries. And so they could add as much material from the book as possible. I personally didn't read the book. I had to look on Spark Notes and read like premises on Wikipedia and other sites to get the basic premise of the book. And, and watching the movie, they left a lot of we have a couple things out, like this supernatural turtle that told the group how to defeat it. And yeah, I know that sounds weird. Um, I had a lot of friends tell me Stephen King is a weird guy. But the basic premise to it is, it is a cosmic shape-shifting entity that terrorizes the town of Derry, Maine every 27 years. And it could take many forms, uh, but he's best known to take the form of Pennywise the Clown. And people usually get, get confused, like what's the difference between it and and Pennywise, but chapter one took place when the main characters were kids, and chapter two takes place when they're adults. So I saw it last Friday, and this to let you know one thing before you see the movie. Don't make any plans for the rest of the day, because the movie is two hours and 49 minutes long, while the first film was two hours and 15 minutes. Like The movie started at 4.15, and after previews in the movie, I only leave the theater till about 7.35, so if you see it, chapter two, after 4 p.m., just make sure that's the last thing you're doing that day because you want to go home after that. But let's start this review. Uh, to be honest, it starts off on an on a, on a uncomfortable note, uh, to be honest. Um, I knew this event was going to happen in the movie by researching, you know, like I said, Spark Notes and Wikipedia premises. And uh, this event starts off the entire book because from what I know, the book, I think the book goes in back and forth from when they when uh, the group was kids and adults. But it's the only spoiler I'm going to give away during this review. But it started off at this fair with a same-sex couple, uh, two men. 
and they were being verbally harassed by another group of men. Uh, they were being called homophobic, homophobic slurs. And later on in the scene, you, t you see the two men getting assaulted by the group. Like you're basically witnessing a hate crime, you know, because in today's common we live in, stuff like this still, still happens where... You know, where like smaller towns aren't accepting the same sex couple, same sex couples as in bigger cities and not just, you know, small cities, stuff like this happened in big cities as well. But like in the first film, there was all there was like a subtle hint of racism when a, one of the one of the main characters was being bullied for being one of the only people of color in the town. But let's start the spoiler free review. Overall, I like the movie. To me, it was better than the first one. I'm not the biggest horror movie person, to be honest. I like more like suspense and thriller. Thrillers, kind of like like a quiet place, get out, us, like those type of movies. What I, what I liked about It Chapter 2 is that it was more than a horror movie. Uh, they had a lot of comedy, so it's kind of like a horror, a dark comedy, and some like a supernatural thriller. And the part I like about the movie is the group aspect. Just There was a strong chemistry between the main cast and uh, all the people in the main cast were so were so likable, and you saw like the little character traits that they were doing as adults, and when they did it with kids in the first film, and for the people, and like for people who haven't seen each other, you know, twenty plus years, when they reunite, it just feels like they seen each other yesterday. And we all have friends like that as well. If you ain't seen them for a long time, then you see them, y'all just talk like y'all just saw each other yesterday. And like I said, it's like a group of unlikely heroes uh, teaming up together to vanquish their common enemy. I compared it to like in adult Stranger Things. You know, I got to put a Stranger Things reference in everything. And the movie kept the intrigue throughout the most parts of the movie. And I like the amb ambig ambig ambiguity of the movie as well because it is a shapeshifter. It takes multiple forms such as Pennywise, like an old lady, or even a mailman. Well, there's no mailman in the movie, but he can take the form of a mailman if he, choose, if he chooses so. And uh, you feel like it is in every scene because he's a shapeshifter and in, in every scene you're just wondering is he like you know is he always wa is he watching the group as another person and also there was a great performance by the whole entire cast in general and some of the critiques about the movie probably the biggest critique overall by critics is the length of the film uh your average horror movie is like 90 minutes sometimes an hour 45 minutes and it, and it chapter two being almost three hours long it could be draining at some points and I didn't feel the the long runtime till about two hours in because once you know I we got to like almost the climax in a movie I looked at my watch and I was like dang man we still got like 45 minutes left in here but uh I can't prepare because I always look up how long a movie is before I go see it and my personal critiques to me it was like a slow second act of the film uh uh in my opinion because there was a part where the group was forced to split up and we followed each member of the group on their lone expedition. And each expedition, you know, followed the same formula. Like, you go to one person, they do their stuff. Then you go to the next person, they do their stuff. Then the third person, you're like, man, we still got three more people to follow after this person. And it felt kind of, the whole splitting up thing felt kind of Scooby-Doo-ish to me. And uh, lastly, the jump scares were too predictable. Like, I jumped a couple times. But the rest of them were like, okay, it's about to come right now. Then it happens. Because you know, uh, like, the way the camera angles are set up. Like, let's say if they walk into, like, uh, somewhere, they move the curtain and nothing's there. And the second they close the curtain, you know, something behind them uh, is there to scare them. But the final ver verdict of this film, overall, I like the film. I'm going from the perspective of someone who didn't 
read a book and for, and for what I've been reading, um, chapter two is very faithful to most of the source material. I'll definitely watch it again, but out of the comfort of my own home, probably the red box. I'm more likely going to buy the movie on Blu-ray. Hopefully they release, you know, when, when, when they release chapter two, come out with chapter one as well, like in a dual move, dual movie set. But on a scale of one to 10, I give this movie eight out of 10. Very good and entertaining and definitely recommend uh, to watch it, especially with Halloween around the corner. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. I greatly appreciate y'all taking time on y'all day to give this podcast a listen. Please like, subscribe, share the podcast, follow me on Instagram or Twitter at So Yeah, I'm Asian. Y'all have a nice one. See y'all next time.